The scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel of John, the 6th chapter, verses 37 through 40. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is the word of the Lord. Did everyone have a happy Halloween? Was it good? Did you get a lot of candy? Did you eat a lot of candy? Wonderful. I didn't. I'm not the biggest fan of candy. I'm not the biggest fan of Halloween. If given the choice, I would rather not be scared. I guess you could call me a Halloween Scrooge. Boo humbug. I do love Easter, though. Now, that's a wonderful holiday. We get to celebrate this generous bunny that comes around to everyone's home and leaves a basket full of candy and cheer and colorful eggs. I know I said I'm not the greatest fan of candy, but there are a few exceptions. You see, at Easter, it's the only time you can get these. They're the, the robin's eggs, the malted chocolate-covered malted milk, ball, milk balls with the, the candy coating on the outside that look like little robin's eggs. I love them. I don't even know if they taste good, but I like the idea of them. See, in my home, he usually brings these and maybe a couple of other chocolate-covered, peanut butter-filled Easter eggs, and, and then usually drops in some sort of newly released DVD. It's a great time. You get to put on your Sunday Easter outfit, and you know you look good. You get to come to church and see people that you haven't seen since Christmas. The sanctuary is always beautiful. It's decorated with flesh, fresh flowers. It's, it's almost always seems to be sunny on Easter, right? I don't know that I can ever remember a rainy Easter morning. You can feel the energy all around you. It's good energy. Almost everyone seems to be in a good mood. What's not to love about Easter? The music's always powerful. The sermon is always wonderful. Smiles are everywhere. There's such a hopeful atmosphere on Easter morning. We can go back to eating chocolate or watching TV or whatever else else it was that we gave up during Lent. We're alive. We're free. We're resurrected. But if we really want to know why Easter is important, we have to look at the whole story, the real story. Easter is more than a fuzzy bunny or a basket full of candy and newly released DVDs. Easter is more than a hopeful sermon and triumphant music. Easter is more than an outfit and a sunny day. Do you remember the story in Genesis? The story of God creating everything that is? Remember with me just a minute. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything. The earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the the waters. God had very little to work with, nothing really other than His own breath. And He spoke, and things came into being. And as He spoke some more, as His Spirit, as His breath moved in and through things, things began to take shape. Things began to take shape exactly the way God wanted them to. And the story tells us that over the course of six days, God created everything that is. And on the seventh day, God rested. All that He created, He said, was good. It was very good. Things were the way they were supposed to be. Adam and Eve were in perfect harmony with one another, with all that God had created and with the God that had created them. 
There was no death, sickness, famine, war, thirst, any of these things that could create any sort of suffering. They just didn't exist. It was perfect in the garden. Could you imagine what it must have been like to live in paradise with everything you could possibly need or want at your disposal? Could you imagine what it must have been like to have a right understanding of what it is that God wants you to do and who it is that God wants you to be? Could you imagine what it must have been like to never have any fear or anxiety or even any concept of what death even is? It must have been wonderful, right? But it wasn't enough to keep Adam and Eve from wanting more, from wanting something else. They turned from God, and in doing so, they lost their understanding, the right understanding of God and the world the way it should have been. They lost paradise. Pain, death, sickness, they all entered into the world. Sin has very real consequences. It pulls us apart from God. It causes us pain. It hurts God, too. God doesn't want us to hurt or suffer. I don't know about you, but it hurts me to my core when I see a stranger suffering that I don't even know. If God, who has so much of a greater capacity for love than we do, who created each one of us to be in an intimate relationship with Him, if He sees us hurting or suffering, how much must that affect God? We create so much suffering for ourselves, needless suffering, So after Adam and Eve turned away from God, God kept looking for a way to get humanity to turn back to Him. God kept looking for a way to help us fix this mess. He chose Moses and Aaron to lead His people, hoping that we might listen to one of our own. We didn't. God raised up some judges, people to lead His people. Samson and Gideon and others. They didn't work either. Finally, God even rose up several great kings. Saul, David, Solomon, as great as they were, all that they did, they couldn't overcome sin either. But there was another one who was there in the beginning, who was with God, who was God, who was creating and breathing life into all that was. God's Son, Jesus Christ. God knew that in order for the world to no longer be under the power of sin and death and darkness, there would be a price to pay. Because sin and death came through human beings, justice and life would also have to come through a human being. It couldn't just be any human being, though, because sin the sin that caused the downfall of all that is was committed against God. In order for justice to be restored, only God could repay that debt. The only one who could restore all of creation is Jesus, the one who is both fully God and fully human. There was just no other way around it. So Jesus came and lived among us. He taught us how to live. He gave a voice to those who had no voice. He gave hope to those who had no hope. When He spoke, He spoke with power and authority, and the whole world listened. Not everyone believed who He was, but everyone heard Him. Jesus came to bring light into the world that was full of darkness. Have you ever tried to walk around in the dark? I've got bruises from it. You run into things. You stub your toe. You break things. The world was no different before Jesus. People were running around into things they didn't need to be running, out, running around into. They were breaking things that need not be broken. But when Jesus came, He brought light so that all of the people could see. And all of a sudden, sin that had once been hidden in the darkest corners of the earth was now revealed. 
And those people who were in the positions of power and leadership, who lived in the midst of this sin and embraced it as a normal part of their everyday life, they were embarrassed and ashamed that others could see what it was that they were doing that they knew they shouldn't be doing. They were embarrassed. They were hurt. It's dangerous when people in power get embarrassed and hurt. And they tried to find a way to silence Jesus. They took Him before the Roman leadership. They hung Him on a cross. They stripped Him. They beat Him. They gave Him a crown of thorns. They called Him a king, not realizing the truth that they were speaking. They took Him down off of the cross. They laid Him in a tomb. And a few days later, that tomb was empty. Nothing in it. No one in it. This king was far too great to live in such a small, confined palace. This is the king of all creation, and he reigns on high from his throne in heaven. He lives, flesh, blood, the Spirit of God dwells in this man. The debt has been repaid. In this sermon that Jesus is giving the people in the Gospel, in the gospel of John that we just read, where he says that he is the bread of life just before this, it gives the people words of hope. It gives us hope. We know that we live in a state of already, but not yet. We know that God has already overcome sin and death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but we still have to live with the consequences of sin and death. Jesus has overcome it, but we still experience it. Jesus says, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. Jesus is telling the people that this isn't just some idea that He came up with. This is part of the overarching plan that God's been putting into motion since the beginning of all creation. It's God's will that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to the world to live among us and to die for us and to be raised so that we might be able to experience eternal life forever with Him. If we believe. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And I will raise Him up on the last day. What words of hope. All of us have lost somebody that we're close to. We just read a long list of names of people that we've lost, that we were close to, brothers and sisters in Christ. Death is clearly still a part of this world that we live in. But what words of hope from Jesus. I will raise them up on the last day. I'm not going to lose one of them. If we believe in Jesus the Christ, death will not have the last word. All of those people that we've lost in our lives, those who have labored for the building of the kingdom, those who have shared the gospel with others throughout their life, those who have loved God, we don't need to worry about them. We don't need to worry about their salvation. And to tell you the truth, we really don't need to worry about ours if we're doing what we need to be doing. If we believe in what it is that Jesus has already done for us, we're experiencing eternal life here and now. Jesus tells us that they're not lost. They never will be. That's words of hope for us, too. Think back to the beginning of creation in Genesis with me again. Remember that after God had created everything, He called it good. God isn't in the business of throwing away anything that He has created. And that includes us. Even when we mess up the creation that God has made, He looks for ways to restore it, to redeem it. To make it even better than it was to begin with. On days like today, on All Saints Sunday, when we remember the lives of those who spent their lives doing the will of God, it's good for us to remember that what they've done hasn't been done in vain. It had a purpose. In the midst of God restoring and redeeming this world that we've managed to mess up, those brothers and sisters 
have found ways to work with God in the restoration and the recreation of this world. We read throughout the Bible that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. God isn't throwing this one away. He's transforming it. And the saints, those who have gone before us, they understood that. They weren't throwing this one away either. We're called to work alongside of God in sharing His love in every corner of the world. In building the kingdom here on earth. Remember that hopeful atmosphere that I said happens on Easter Sunday? I believe that it's the hope that comes about on Easter that causes me to love Easter so much. It's not just me that's hopeful. It's everyone around me. You can feel that hope. The robin's egg candies, they're great. The colored eggs, they're fun. The sermons are good and the music is good. But the most important thing about Easter is that it reminds us that because Christ has not been defeated by death, we won't be either. Easter may be something that happens officially one Sunday every year. But we're people of the resurrection. We're Easter people. We're people of hope. We're people of life. We are people who refuse to say that death has the last word. When God speaks, life happens. Let God speak to you today. Let God continue to speak to you. Let a word of restoration and hope enter into your soul. Let it take root. And leave this place today with the resurrection song in your heart, ready to sing it to the world. He lives. And because He lives, we do too.